I mean, they're important. They're important metrics, right? But they shouldn't be the metrics that wag the dog. They they should be informing the process along with other measures and other things that we we take a look at. But when you look at it in isolation, again, if if that's all we're going to manage towards, it's very easy to game it. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a roundtable discussion covering a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Your hosts, Jason Thompson, John Moran, Jen Coons, and myself, Jim Driscoll, all live in different areas of the world, but work together in the same company. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. Like it's working though, you know? Yeah. What are you gonna do about it, huh? You're not Italian. You're not Italian. I, you, you don't you don't ever speak Italian. You don't never speak Italian. So I, I do have a call on the hour, just as a heads up to all y'all. God, you're so damn high maintenance. Hey Jason. J- Jason I've got a knock-knock joke for you. You ready? Knock-knock. Dude, we don't have any episodes with explicit tagged on them, so... Okay. Wait a minute. I can hear myself again. Brian, I swear. Brian, I would say then just uh, mute yourself when when you're not talking. Um, There we go. That'll take care of the reverb so we can can get this one moving. Okay. Tell, tell your knock-knock joke, and we'll move on. And if I hear myself, I'm going to freak out. I'm not going to do it because we haven't used explicit language, so we're good. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> we like to be family-friendly. At least try to. We try to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what the hell is going on? Why does it keep changing the time? We're having all sorts of problems getting going here. I'm yeah. really scared it's going to kick me out. Although I did notice that when it kicked me out, it generated a wave file for. Yeah, I've, I've got so. a file for you. So you know, let's just get moving here, and yeah. um, well, let's just go. So this week, it, it's a follow up from the conversation Jason you and I had last week. Now, last week, you know, our topic was the document is not the deliverable. It was about. Um, you know, making sure that you're actually as a consultant, taking your client through a journey and not just getting a document or some kind of deliverable off to them and then just checking it off a list. Um, and one of the things you, you talked about through the end of it is, is the dangers of managing to metrics, you know, and in my thoughts, you know, making the metric, the goal, uh, whether that's for an employee's performance or just, just something else. So I wanted to talk a bit about that, you know. Metrics, you know, are there to provide us um, with an update on the health of the business. But what could possibly go wrong in your your mind that, you know, by managing to these? Well, all we have to do is look at uh, the headlines from this morning. Is that the one about WeWork? No. Well, <laughs> WeWork fits well into this narrative, <laughs> though. Uh, this is the one about Comscore. Comscore got oh, nailed with the... Multi-million dollar fine for uh, fudging numbers. And the SEC came down and, and basically said that they were chasing revenue targets. And in an attempt to chase metrics, they 
crossed over an ethical line and oh. and started fudging their numbers. So it's a timely it's a timely conversation from from that perspective. But man, I got I, I'm sure we all have a lot of personal experience with this, and it's an interesting space because this is is where we play as well, right? Mm-hmm. So um, should make for an interesting conversation. Yeah, and then I have another example from previously, you know, in my career. But yeah, I totally missed the the comp score news this morning. It's been a been a crazy start to the day. So uh, so I have to go check that out after we're done here. And they aren't the first, and they won't be the last. Well, I mean, I think that also goes back to the Wells Fargo situation. What was it, a year and a half, two years ago, where they found that you know employees were being bonused based on number of accounts opened, so yep. they were just fraudulently opening accounts. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 tricky, um, and and I think that that's why in in our space we've heard so many people debating even the phraseology that we've used around being data driven and the feedback is really, you shouldn't be data driven. You should be data informed, Um, right? The data driven gets you to this point where you allow the metrics to, to basically drive, you know, the, you're, you're allowed, what is, what's the, uh, what's the analogy? What's the word? I'm gonna have to look it up, but you know what I'm saying? You're, we're allowing these, these metrics to, to drive things. And as a personal um, experience, you know, I've, I've seen this firsthand being being a consultant and a, being asked to uh, what what are we in historically as a consultant? What are we measured measured against? Well, I think I think the root of this really gets at are the metrics measuring what they should be, and do they create the right incentive? In in both of these cases that you brought up, those metrics ultimately incentivized fraudulent behavior. Um, and so if you're going to, if you're going to report or have a system built for metrics to be what generates the incentive, you need to make sure that you have other incentives or other metrics in place to de-incentivize the amoral behavior. And and I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I hearken back to recording a podcast on this amazing rooftop deck in La Jolla uh with the uh, air conditioner buzzing in the background we recorded a, a metric with with john on the north star metric and and i can't believe i'm coming back to this because i i i detest the whole concept of growth hacking but really having that north star metric of what is the company trying to solve for um i it is so critically important in this conversation when I was running analytics for Spark Networks, uh, I came across this firsthand where the marketing team was being tasked and compensated in driving more traffic to the site. That's what their measure was. And their bonuses were, were tied to that. And when I went back to them and said, guys, you are dumping a lot of crap traffic on our site that is not converting to registered members and is definitely not converting to paid members. Um, And this is definitely pulling down our metrics that we're looking at as a top level metrics that we're reporting to Wall Street uh, around lifetime value. This is hurting those metrics. Their response, I don't care. We're being asked to drive traffic to the site, full stop. And, And that's a clear example of having a disconnect between what the company's trying to do and what individual uh, departments and individuals are being tasked with doing. If they're not in alignment there, being able to manage towards these metrics can have a very uh, 
horrible effect on the overall business. Yeah, I think of, um, I was reading either Freakonomics or Think Like a Freak, one of those books, and they talked about incentives and human incentives and how every system that is put in place to incentivize certain behavior will be gamed by by those that are participating in it, right? <clears throat> and they used an example of of healthcare, or not healthcare, but childcare providers and how they would actually, you know, have a problem of people coming late to pick up their kid and they want to dis- dissuade that. So they impose like a $5 fee or a $10 fee for every five minutes that they would be late. And what ended up happening is actually more people would be coming late and just paying that fee because it was more convenient. There's, and it's probably, yeah, cheap, cheaper than the alternative. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, it's just interesting. I think, I think this discussion, while it's, it's framed up around like managing to a metric, it really gets at the core of, of human behavior and incentive. Um, and also, you know, about that agency that was driving the wrong traffic. Um, I think it, it speaks to making sure that you hire the right partners that, um, you know, if you set an incentive plan in place that they're, they're going to do what's right for you sometimes despite the incentive plan or, you know, that you've got a partnership on success, not a partnership on a one particular metric. Um, Yeah, no, you actually bring up a good point that reminds me of a story from, you know, one point in my career, you know, I was working on the agency side of one company and we build our contracts by the hour. We were measured on the typical billability and util, you know, utilization rates. But then what they started doing was making billability part of your, 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 your personal goals, your employee goals, you know, was to maintain a billability rate. Now, I can honestly say I don't know of anyone who gamed the system. Um, but who's to say it, you know, people didn't game the system, especially if one of the things that you're going to be judged on on a semi-annual basis and you have complete control over it, who's, you know, who's to say it wasn't gained? And I mean, that, that, that was clear to me from the moment, like, you know, it's one thing to measure billability, but it's another thing that the system, you know, people have direct control over that, whether they're honest or not, because, you know, it's based off of the time that they enter into their time cards. Yeah. And so from a, no, go ahead, Brent. I was going to say, um, you know, I've managed in the, that scenario, and I know Jason has as well. And and it people do dishonestly report that information. Um, and then because the billing is based off of that, if there aren't notes or anything provided to the client that justifies that, then the client has um, an angle to actually then go after you and say that you didn't provide the service that you said you did. And it opens up a whole uh, can of worms, which is why, you know, Jason and, and Hila here have taken a different approach for for billing and, and don't go hours based. That said, um, the other problem with with that is that it it de-incentivizes in, uh, efficient use of time um, and, and is one of those situations in which you're actually stifling innovation and stifling efficiencies 
um, for the sake of kind of a different model. I mean, we could we could continue down that path, but I mean, we can beat yeah. this one to death because I yeah. just just in this in this area, it's such it's such a poignant conversation because you're you're right. I, you know, I've been on both sides of it, both managing a team towards that metric and being um, an individual contributor, being tasked with with meeting certain billable hour goals. And to your point, what ends up happening is it, it's you start to lose efficiency because when I first started reporting on billable hours, um, it was just a matter of taking the time to document at a very high level what I built. And, and to your point, Brian, then it starts to open up questions with the client. Well, what did they actually do? So now we have to add more process. Now we have to say, well, it's not just okay to say you worked two hours on implementing X, you have to give much more narrative. So now I have to take even more time to document that and honestly fudge it and make it up because I did, you know, I, I there were times where I fudged the numbers. There were times when I made up a narrative because I didn't want to get yelled at by my boss for not hitting my, my numbers, even though I felt like I was doing a good job and taking care of the customer. What I, I wasn't being managed towards that. That didn't dictate how well I was doing. How well I was doing was, am I consistently billing 37 and a half hours a week? So that became my focus, not the quality of my work, not what problems I was solving. How good am I at hitting 37.5 average billable hours a week over a year? So back to the original thesis or, or opening statement here of why we don't manage towards metrics. Um, I think in this case and in this example, um, one of the first things that I brought up is there needs to be secondary metrics to kind of keep things in directionally where you want them to go. And, and in the case of a billable hour, if there was a secondary metric, a qualitative metric that came back from your clients about value added or relationship built or changes to, to their, their organization, and that was a secondary component to an incentive-based program, you could have those two metrics that kind of complement one another towards a single goal, and that would be more effective. But, but oftentimes, um, that's not the case in those situations. In fact, I haven't, I haven't seen that in my. I'm, I'm thinking back. I have not seen a time where utilization metrics were combined with a qualitative value added or um, customer appreciation type score, which, which would make a lot more sense. How much is this um, a, a individual issue, cultural problem with, with businesses in that, let's call it the office space problem, in that it's not my company. I'm just, I'm just doing my job and I'm out to maximize my take. And it's not really my responsibility to make the company successful. So the, the line when Peter's talking with the efficiency experts um, the, the Bobs, remember, he says something like, you know, the problem is about motivation. You know, if, if in a tech ship ships a few extra units, like I don't get another dime. Right. So it's all about what, what's, what's important for me as an individual. So I'm gaming the system to get what, what I need. And, you know, my, my experience with this is, is at Omniture, the, most of the sales reps I worked with at Omniture were horrifically bad. From a, from a company perspective. Now, they were really, really good at selling, but they were really, really bad at 
aligning with the ecosystem of what we were trying to create. And and Brian, I'm sure, you know, I don't want to put you on the hot seat, but I'm sure you had similar experience where, you know, sales guys would sell towards their quota and didn't give a crap about what it meant to you as an implementation consultant, you know, and you would go back to them and say, Hey, let's collaborate about this. Let's be open and make sure you're selling things that's going to make all of us, including the customer successful. And, but they don't care, right? What they care about is, am I going to hit my numbers this quarter so I don't get fired? And so hopefully I'm a top performer and I not only get my uh, my compensation, but I get a bonus. Yeah, I think, I think sales is easy to pick on because they're the most influenced by like a direct sales quota or metric based off of that. And, and there's not a lot of qualitative there. But, um, but Jim brought up a, a, a valuable... Um, counterpoint to that with, you know, on the services and on the delivery end. Um, and, you know, I feel like the last time I was on the podcast, we talked about um, kind of being human and actually having more of a being more human in, in business than not just so, you know, stiff about it. And I, I feel like we, we got to a point where we said, you know, it ultimately comes down to individuals making a decision um, and almost like a societal cultural issue. And I think this is having a similar thing around metrics in that, you know, if incentives are there or, or metrics are there to to measure company performance, but all too often the individual mindset takes over and mm-hmm. and, you know, people think, you know, well, forget forget X, Y and Z or forget, you know, Judy over here or Sam over there. Um, you know, I'm going to go after what I need for myself and you know damned be the consequences that that fall out from that yeah we're letting the tail wag the dog in these instances and i think after this podcast people are going to go out and see this everywhere if they're not already seeing it because this is happening everywhere and 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 people are managing towards the metrics rather than allowing the metrics to inform to make the process better let me give you a perfect example uh go drive through a mcdonald's they are absolutely measured by speed from order to food delivery uh, at the drive-through window. Quote. So that's an important distinction at the drive-through window, and and go and notice the clock on the wall. And and here's what you'll see. Um, I went to a McDonald's recently that there was no one else in line. I ordered. I paid. I pulled up to the food window. Do you want to you want to know what they asked me? Will you pull up to pick up slot number one? which I did, and I saw them reset the clock. I saw them reset the clock. So they're gaming the system, right? Even though there was no need for me to move because there was no one behind me that I was holding up, by 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 doing that, by moving me out of the drive-through line, they could shift, change the clock, which was helping manage towards their metrics. I, I don't know what the number is, but there's obviously some number that they have to get people from order to food delivery at the window in a certain amount of time that they're being managed towards. So now they're changing the entire customer experience, not to make the customer experience better, but to hit that metric that they're being managed against. What was it good food? No. Oh, okay. Well, we had to know, right, if if the quality was there. My 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 four year old my four year old my four year old non Whopper day. My four year old loves um, the McDonald's hamburgers with the logo on it, which it's the um, it's the uh, breakfast sandwich with the pancake, and it has the M stamped in the pancake. He calls it the hamburger with a logo. <laughs> 
Oh, that's hysterical. Yeah. My my kids love the uh, chicken McNuggets, so we're we're definitely helping the uh, the McDonald's stock there. But but yeah, it is interesting, and you see that in food service, um, not just at, at McDonald's, but um, I've worked in restaurants, you know, uh, back when I was a teenager, and and they they managed the metrics of like table turnover time um, at a restaurant as opposed to you know quality of service, quality of meal. It was how many tables can we flip in an hour or in a shift um, that would dictate how much money that particular table would generate for the, the restaurant at that time. And it's, um, yeah, again, it, it, it's not a focus on customers. I mean, they're important, they're important metrics, right? But they shouldn't be the metrics that wag the dog. They, they should be informing the process along with other measures and other things that we, we take a look at. But when you look at it in isolation, Again, if, if that's all we're going to manage towards, it's very easy to game it. And, and ultimately, it's, it's the customer that suffers. And I think ultimately, it's the business that suffers, right? Because um, it's, it's not getting to what the core of it is. Maybe at the core of the McDonald's uh, issue was that there were complaints about the slowness of the drive-through, which is a completely you know, valid response to start to measure, well, how long does it take? But if we throw everything out in that context and now just manage towards the time, it doesn't really fix the problem, you know? Yeah, so you actually... Metrics. Yeah, no, you actually made me think of a good example going back to my college days. So I you know, worked in sales part-time when I was in college. And of course, we were measured on, on a tattery. Um, you know, how many additional, you know, add-ons were you able to get in the category of add-ons? And then what they end up finding was one of the guys who was always ranked near top in the store, he was doing a bit of the gaming of the system too. Um, because when you were processing the sale, if say this was somebody who came back after talking to another salesperson, you would set the sale to them. But then there was also like just this generic store user. So anytime there was a sale with no attach, it was just a bare bones sale. He, he'd assign it to the house. So his personal numbers were were phenomenal, but you know the, the you know the store average, you know, really didn't change much. And yeah, so that there was there was that. Um, you know, he was able to uh, to to game the system that way. So so how do you how do you solve for it? And again, I think it's interesting coming from from our perspective, where you know we're we're immersed in data. We're we're helping companies capture data. We're helping companies analyze data. Um, as, as a, as a consultant, as a guide at, you know, that we're being brought in by companies to use data. What is, what is our response? How do we help them better position the use of, of data to allow it to be informative, but to not get in these scenarios where we're allowing uh, gamification of, of the data in this, in this sort of way where we're not ultimately getting the results that we want to drive. I mean, it, it's hard. I was actually thinking that, that, that too, how do you solve for it? And I, I think it goes, it, it's on the company level, but it's also on the individual level. This is going to be a bit of a rambling answer because I, I, there's a couple thoughts, you know, going through my mind at the moment. One, if say you, you know, if, if you're the owner of a small company and you've got a team of five, of 10, of 25, I think for you, yeah, the onus is on you to make sure that you're recruiting and retaining the right people, the people that buy into the um, 
the corporate culture, especially if you want to get away from this. If, if you w- don't want people trying to game the system, making sure that you're not managing to the metric and then you're getting people that are going to buy in. So they get the, the, the fact of not trying to manipulate metrics to, to their own advantage. That, that, that's one thought. I mean, there's, there's several answers to that question. I think it's really hard and I don't know that I, I have an answer. Um, you know, cause, cause I'm kind of on the, the flip side, um, at, at 33 sticks, like, like, you know, each of you, we're working towards things and we can put metrics in place and says, well, if Jim does X, Y, and Z, then he should get a raise. You know, how, how do we, how do we make sure that that's done within the context of doing X, Y, and Z, but also making sure that it's not just done to check off the list, but it aligns with the overall corporate goals. I mean, again, I think this comes back. Is it a, is it a cultural thing at the company? Is it a, a personal thing taking pride in the fact that it's, it's not just doing what's right for me, but it's doing what's right for us. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to solve that. Yeah, no, it, it's definitely not an easy answer. This is definitely something hard because it's at the individual level, but it's also at, at the company level. Um, you know, making sure that you have the right people, but at the same time, um, making sure that you're setting out the, the, the message properly. And those that, that that's such an overgeneralization, but it's it's starting there. And I think part of it is is having that conversation on what is the purpose of the metric. And you know, if you're on the the the, the smaller side, it's making sure that people's you know people understand what is the the goal of the company, and that you know maybe goals aren't aligned to individual metrics; they're overall aligned to the health of the company. I, I don't know because then there's flaws yeah. to that too. Because I know, Man, I know what, this would be such a great if we could get the call in episode working. This would be <laughs> such a great topic for it because yeah, I think it would. there would be so many people that have so many different uh, experiences with this. Sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. What I was going to say is like it's th- th- that also isn't a perfect answer either. Because I remember one time, like you know, everybody who was a manager and above got dinged because the the the, the company missed major major goals and i was pissed because i was like my team performed my team held up our end of the bargain and because other teams didn't we're all being punished like that that's how it came across and that that's that that that's a flaw with with setting metrics to like company goals um you know, if you think about it, like, you know, you, you could kill it, but if, if a couple big deals are missed and company goals aren't met, then, then, then everyone seems to feel pain. And I am just, I'm going way off on a tangent here. So is, it, the, is the problem coming back to what I think Brian mentioned that um, when you align metrics with um, individual level incentives, that that's where we start to get on a slippery slope? Yes. Brian? It can, but um, I, I want to step back for a second to what you were asking earlier, and I, I do think Jim deserves a raise. So just just I want to make sure that's that's here. Um, but <laughs> no, seriously, as far as I, I'm so sick of both of you right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I do think I do think when you you set you know a single metric to an incentive, you're going to have lurking variables you did not think of or unintended consequences you didn't think of that human behavior is going to manifest itself in in interesting ways that ultimately are not what you desired so um 
what you were asking, how do we how do we handle that as a consultant that work in data in analytics? Um, I feel like my job so often is guiding a conversation and not dictating where they should go in providing counterpoints to almost every argument that somebody will put out there, just so that they're thinking through that. For example, um, you know, there's a client that's working on, on a lot of segmentation stuff right now and, and building segments. And instead of, you know, instead of just allowing them to create it and, and be done with it, I've challenged every one of the areas and um, for, forced them to think if we do the segment based on this rule or that condition, then we're going to miss out on this other piece and, and helping them think about it. So not rushing to make a decision on what those metrics are or what a segment might be that you, you analyze, I think is something that we can do is, is to give some framework for it. The other thing that I think we do um, on a regular basis is challenge that status quo and, and ask, is the metric that we're still measuring against the right one? In some industries, it's very obvious that, you know, like in retail, that sales and conversion rate of a website are probably always going to be measured. And we're always going to have performance based off of that because that's where revenue comes from. But what about the other metrics? Is there you know, the, the one that's always debatable and easy to debate both sides of the argument is average time on site. Like we could run campaigns that have really low time on site, but is that a good thing or a bad thing? And you can argue it both ways. So make sure that your metrics have, have a good business justification behind them and that, um, you know, what you're measuring is tied back to overall company performance, but you counteract individual behaviors with complementary or qualitative type metrics as well. So you're saying so you're saying being an analyst is really hard and it's not as easy as just collecting a, a data point, slapping it on a dashboard and saying, OK, now let's run manage towards this. Well, I mean, that's why we have machine learning and AI to do it all for us. You know, you and I worked with a company, I believe, uh, where we had a conversation about um, form conversion and some of the feedback that we offered was why aren't you measuring how many of your visitors are, are seeing this form? You're only measuring if they actually click in and type something in the form. And I think the response back was, well, because we don't want our uh, form conversion rate to go down because we're measured on how well that form com converts. I'm like, so you're artificially keeping this a, a potential inflated number rather than capturing additional information that may help you actually convert more leads into customers. Right. You remember that? I do. And and we we persuaded them to make some changes to actually get a more complete view into user experience. But um, I think that's another example of when when the incentive was had good intentions, but nobody understood how it was being measured, which ultimately was a, a hindrance to um, to customer experience and improvement of that particular campaign. Yeah, and I think that that's what makes this this so so hard. And I think people and organizations need to be open to the this isn't easy, and it's not meant to be easy, and it's not as clear cut as just one number. I think we want to make it simple and simplify it to say, well, this is the number we're going to manage towards and build everything off of that. But it's it's inherently more complex than that. And again, shifting the focus from being data driven to data informed, we're going to allow this data to inform our process, but we can't simplify it to the point of saying, if X, then Y. It's just it's just inherently more complicated than that. 
Yeah, I, I think people want the easy correlation that when X goes up, Y goes down, um, or vice versa. And uh, it just, in, in the real application and, and world of data and how many variables exist, it, it rarely is that um, that highly correlated to have a direct impact on, on any of those. And, and I, I think the yeah. other mistake that happens is, um, you know, just kind of, Harkening back to the other previous example of that client with with form conversions, I think those people that could actually make the changes to the conversion or those incentives were, were just unaware of what was actually happening. And, and I think that's another challenge that's run into is that the pe- the, the doers, the contributors, the, the hands-on keyboard folks that are out there making those impacts and changes um, sometimes have a disconnect to directors or or vps or stakeholders and executives and and they don't know exactly what's happening at that low level and there's there's a lot of assumptions between you know the one two or ten layers in between in which incentives are created and and how the actual application is put in place and that's why um you know that's why strategic consultancies exist to kind of help break that apart but why it doesn't happen inherently at companies is has been a frustrating point for me because it's really hard right and because being able to manage towards that and being able to analyze that is really really difficult and we expect people just to i guess get it but it's it's not true most people have a hard time doing that and i think it 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 begs for for or why it it kind of helps um tell the story of why it's so important to hire good people that are able to understand and make decisions from from data in a proper way but most people are i mean just go to your facebook feed and and look how many people how many of your contacts your friends don't understand basic data logic you know it's well this then that and i'm like and i i read it all day long and i'm like hitting my head against the desk i'm like i sure hope you're not an analyst at a company informing them on the direction of their you know, their spend, what they should be doing, right? It's hard. It's not as simple as saying, well, I observed this, so therefore that. It's analyzing and making decisions from data is really, really difficult. Where where does this, uh, where do we get back to? Again, I think we can take this in in so many different directions. We've kind of focused it on, on a lot of, of services-based stuff because that's where we, we come from. But I think one of the things that I, I find fascinating from all our discussions is we come up with these really, really hairy topics and things that seem almost impossible to solve at an organizational level. And we end up coming down to this, well, at an individual level, what can an individual listener of the show walk away with and say, I may not be able to change the entire organization, but at least I can have an impact from where I sit. So as an individual, how do we start to address this? And I think it's tricky because there are, are multiple level levers here at play. You know, one is the, I need to maximize what's best for me. So how do I manage that within also taking pride for my work that I'm also being paid to do a job that ultimately is, is hopefully making the business that's paying me more successful as well? Yeah, I mean, it, it's definitely hard, especially like, as you were talking, the the one scenario that came to mind for me is, you know, someone who's managing a team, um, having having been there myself, a lot of times the the quarterly goals that come down are, are kind of forced upon you. Um, but 
I mean, the, the one thing I would say is like, you know, if, if you have the control, um, ensure that the goals for your team are not just something of like maintain this, this rate that someone has direct control over to manipulate that, that that's definitely one step that you can take. And the harder, you know, it gets harder when you have goals imposed upon you or things that are imposed upon you that do enable for that. So um, you, you have to, 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 to worry, you know, uh, address that, but that that's one thing that immediately came to mind. For, for me, it's really all about using data again to inform what it is that, that we're trying to solve for and, and taking pride in our job that we're, we're trying to solve for something and not gamify a bunch of, of metrics. Um, one of the interesting things about everyone that's come to work at 33 Sticks is individually each of you uh, told me that one of the reasons why you're interested in joining this team is that you want your work to have meaning. Um, you all kind of verbalized that to me in different ways, but basically said the same thing of, I'm tired of doing a job where my job doesn't have meaning. Um, I want to do something that that matters. And and I think that's an important place for people to get to that I'm not just going in and, you know, producing a widget to produce a widget, but I'm producing something that has a, a bigger meaning that people are actually going to leverage for something of value. And when you take that perspective, I think it changes the focus of, you know, how can I get Jason through the McDonald's drive through line faster to what are we trying to solve for? Are we trying to create an amazing experience for our customers that's both high quality and high speed? And how do we do that? And we start managing towards that. It changes the game. It changes the discussion. It's, it's interesting timing because I had a conversation with a customer this morning who said, hey, we were just talking to Adobe and Adobe was challenging our timelines on our uh, DTM to launch migration and asking why it takes so long. You know, that they have huge customers that have done the migration in two or three weeks. Why is it taking so long? And my feedback was, well, sure, I can build a car from scratch in under four weeks, but it's a pretty good chance it's not going to drive or start. So what are we talking about? Like, what are we trying to solve for? You know, are we managing towards a metric of, we should be able to do something in two to three weeks, or what are we trying to accomplish in that time frame? What are we trying to unlock? You know, and having a little bit more pride in what we're trying to solve for than just gaming the metrics to, to say, I, I've done something good. From a sports perspective, I'm sure, um, you know, Bryant can probably speak on this. There's a lot of athletes that get a bad rap for being stat players, right? That they're out there padding their stats. Um, maybe Jim has some examples from Philly sports teams where, you know, you have a player that isn't out there for the team to get a win. I'm out there to get my stats to look good. So on paper, it may look like, oh, Jim's an amazing offensive lineman. What did you, what are you like fullback? What did you play? <laughs> so tight end, you know, J Jim's an amazing tight end. Like, look at his numbers. It's like, yeah, but every team he's on loses all the time because it was all about his stats and not what's best for the team. Right. I mean, that's kind of the scenario that we're talking about in the business world, like stat pat, pat padding stats, stat padding. That's so, 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 so you're essentially getting into the world of Moneyball. Uh, I don't know, because Moneyball, um, meaning from a right, right. Meaning from a, a from a sabermetric perspective, you know, the, the goal being wins. So like. You know, it, it, you know, you now have a stat within Major League Baseball called war, you know, wins above replacement. So basically shows, does the team win when you're in the lineup or not? 
um, you, you, you get into stats like that. So, uh, no, that, that's what it feels like. You know, you're getting into to, to the money ball world, you know, not just looking at average and home runs and stuff like this, but does the team win when, when you're playing? Yeah. And NBA has a plus minus now, um, as well for when you're on the floor and how you per- perform. But I think one, one thing that might've been missing from maybe what, what individuals can do as well. And, and you're actually both kind of dancing around it um, with the sports analogy. And that is um, something that I would, I would challenge every individual listener that has access to, to the data or looking at these metrics is actually challenge the data first um, and make sure that the data is accurate. Um, you know, something worse than having a bad metric is bad data that's leading to that. Um, and, you know, going back to the, the sports analogy now and thinking about uh, Russell Westbrook was Mr. Triple Double a couple of seasons ago, right? But if you looked at some of the analysis that the sports guys were doing on that, um, people would actually back away from the backboard when it was an easy rebound to help Russ get that metric to get the rebound. And so um, I would challenge that, you know, maybe that triple double had some bad data going into it because it wasn't a true rebound in that sense that it could have been. And I think we have the same thing here in that, um, you know, that sales guy that that Jim was bringing up where he was padding his stats and putting it towards the house, you know, that was bad data going into a system that was incentivized for that kind of behavior. And um, it's not web data. It was manual data entry and, and, at every layer of a business, there are points at which individuals touch data, change data, um, influence how that data gets processed um, that might not be accurate, or it's just straight up collected improperly and, and make sure that your data is accurate um, and then, and then set the metrics appropriately. I would love to get, do we know anybody that's like in sports management or sports data? I would love to get someone on to talk about that because there are sports contracts that have levers in it for specific metrics, right? And so how, how do, how do sports organizations manage towards that when, again, like if I have a player that, you know, I, there's, there's soccer players that, you know, they're, they're bonused on goals. And so what if they're making decisions to get their goal rather than giving up the assist to a teammate to get the easier goal and ultimately the team suffers? Like, how do you, how do you manage towards that? I think there's probably a lot of parallels with, with the business world. I, that would be a really fascinating discussion. We should like search our networks to see if we have someone yeah. that we can chat with about that. That'd be really cool. There's, there's gotta be somebody we know. That, that that I can come on and talk about that because then to to Brian's point is like you know <clears throat> have they dug dug deeper into you know into coincidences um, you know certain stats when you know in in certain scenarios because I mean every sport has it it's like uh oh he's coming into a contract year so expect to see X Y or Z or oh he got his contract after last season. Um, you know, they, they're, every sport has those players that were known for it. Every time their contract yeah. year was up, they had a, uh, an amazing season. Then the following season, right after they got the contract, everything dropped right off. Didn't didn't uh, Ben Gaines do local talk radio, sports talk radio, for some time? Um, I want to. He's s- the only person that I could think of in my network that would have something. I I, 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 I worked for ESPN. I, too. I think. He- 
He did work for ESPN, but I want to say that he did do some local talk radio for some time. He he may have. We we should reach out to Ben. He he may know. That would yes. anyway. That would be a fascinating future podcast episode. Yeah, let, let, let's flesh that one out and see see who we can't get on for that. Cool, 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 cool. Well, this is a fun discussion. So Go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, back to the the bad data or poor data quality. Um, we're going to take a statistically significant sample size here with the three of us. That was a joke, sarcasm there for, for the listeners. But um, out of all implementations that, that the three of us have looked at or been asked to come in and look at, what percentage of those that have web analytics data were collecting all data points accurately at the time we looked at it? Zero percent. When I was the implementer, it was perfect. <laughs> See, I don't even believe that, but I still think you should get a raise to the earlier point. Um, no, I mean, it's, yeah, no, no, none is ever perfect. Um, there was always some kind of issue or, or, or limitation. It, it's more about the, the expectation that you set and what's the data's purpose. Yeah, and, and, and I would even say, even if it was perfectly implemented, the technology itself is flawed in how it captures and it can't be perfect. It's not a hundred percent accurate. So just know that the data you're looking at isn't always accurate. Um, and so again, trying to think of like takeaways, what can people do with this information and this discussion is, you know, I, I am like a, a, a continual and unending skeptic. Um, and it, it drives some people that are close to me, um, kind of mad and, and, you know, I'm always devil's advocate. I'm always the one with the counterpoint, um, sometimes to be a smart ass and other times just to, you know, um, to actually make a point there. But it, it is something that inherently for me, I'm, I'm just not trusting of kind of the status quo or the data. And that's always the first place I go to, um, before, before we make decisions. And then I can, I can know whether or not, um, the decisions I make are, are going to be based on some sort of reality that exists out there. I think that's a perfectly reasonable way for an analyst to view the world and wish that more analysts were, would take that uh, perspective. Yeah. Um, so I think that's actually a good place to, to, to wrap up. I know we're, we're quickly running out of time today. But yeah, no, totally agree. This has been a great conversation. It actually went a little bit different direction than I thought it might, but uh, but good none the, nonetheless. So we'll go ahead and wrap up for now, yeah. unless anybody has any other yeah. closing statements. Good stuff. Good to have you back on the podcast, Bryant. Thanks for joining us. Glad you got your uh, your webcam up and running. Jim, how, do we know how long it's going to be until we could potentially do a simulcast? Not yet. I got to check their check their roadmap um, because I, I there's I, any that's... out there that want to see the behind the scenes recording of the 33 tangents podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I know that there's other platforms that do it, but so far I really liked Squadcast. So I'm, you know, I'm going to check to see when their next release is. Cause I know it's definitely on their roadmap to, to, to provide the video so we can have a simulcast too. Cool. Well, great conversation. Um, I guess we'll talk with you guys later. Yep. Sounds good. Later. Bye.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at www.33sticks.com. The 33 Tangents podcast is a production of 33 Sticks.